Pastor Chris and uh, Sister Carol, who back in 2004, 17 years later, the Lord led them to relocate and to go to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which is uh, Sister Carol's hometown. And God laid upon their hearts to plan a work there after serving with us here and really having no desire necessary to go and leave St. Louis for that. Uh, we were committed to kind of serve out the purpose of the Lord together in this city, but God spoke differently. And uh, now they've been there uh, 11 years, and the Lord has raised up a, a fellowship of believers in that community. Uh, within the last year or so, God has uh, begun to help them to think outside of the box, preparing them for ambassadorship to just about any nation in the world. Perhaps they can tell you more about that. And uh, though their community of faith is small in terms of numbers, God has placed his hand upon them and used them mightily there and has made known this other dimension of the work that they've been called to do. And so we are honored that you all are here with us tonight. We thank you for being with us, for driving those hours to come and be with us. And tonight, as we end this time of prayer and fasting together, uh, the Lord laid upon my heart to ask him to come, having been one that's been with us from the very, very beginning, and then also one that the Lord has used over the years through reputable prophetic utterances and ministry to encourage, to strengthen, and to build the house of God. Would you please stand with me as we honor this man and woman of God, and let's give them a metro welcome as they've come back home. Praise the Lord. First and foremost, let's give the Lord our God all the honor. Come on, right now. We bless your name, O oh Lord God. Give him all the glory, all the honor. To him alone, to you alone, O oh God. We bless your name. You may be seated. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you bring that, your microphone? We'll take Brother Herb's microphone. It is an honor. It's an absolute honor to be able to stand before you. For those of you that don't know us, my name is Chris. This is my wife, Carol. And uh, we are so glad to be home. For those of you that never met us, as you probably can tell by the, I guess by my face, that Bishop and I are brothers. Um, in case you didn't know, that's for some of the new people. Um, and we were honored, honored to be able to serve in this house for 17 years and to serve with Bishop many, many years before that. In fact, uh, we were just, Carol and I were just talking about it. Uh, the first time we served together was 1975, so I'm now celebrating 40 years of ministry this year. This is incredible. <laughs> so long before there was a Metro, the Green family, we were ministering and traveling and all over the United States, and God has just seen fit to bring us to this place. I'm going to have my wife to share with you in just a bit. But before we get started, we'd like to just kind of set the atmosphere. One of the things that we do back in Harrisburg is sing to music tracks. And there's a particular song that's been in our heart that he is worthy. You come to the end of the day, and we know that's where many of you are. It's been a long day. It's been a long week. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a long month this week. 
<laughs> Anybody can say that right now. It's been a long month this week. And so I want to just express our unashamed love to God, our unashamed love and how much he is truly worthy. Christy, you can just find that one. It says unashamed love, and we want to worship the Lord together. Oh, God. 
Bless the Lord in this place. Come on, bless the Lord. Oh, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. We're going to kind of stand up here together just for a little bit here. And give me that clicker. You can go to the PowerPoint. And we're live streaming tonight, so if anybody back home happens to be watching, hey, y'all. Pastor Chris and Carol saying, hey, y'all join us and tell them, hey, say, hey. hey. <laughs> Bless the Lord, our God. We thought it would be best to just, we say a, a picture is worth a thousand words. So rather than trying to say a whole lot tonight, we want to just kind of show you some of the things that God is doing and kind of continue with what Pastor Frank King was sharing with us on Sunday. Wasn't that just awesome? Incredible word of the Lord. Being positioned for transition. And time after time, as, as a Bishop has invited us to come back and to share with you guys, we've been giving you updates and telling you what's happening in Harrisburg. And uh, some of you who follow us online, you've heard the stories and we've been real frank and real in our weekly emails about what's happening and our disappointments and discouragements and everything. But tonight we have wonderful things to report to you because our victories are your victories. I want to say it again, our victories are your victories because God put it in this man and woman's heart to come to St. Louis and to build lives. He put it in this man's heart to plant works across the nation, works that would touch the nations. And, we've, and after all these years, I know some of you have been like, what is Bishop talking about? It don't look like this is really, really working. And not to discredit any of the people that have left through the years, but some have just gotten tired of hearing this same old thing week after week and going to these classes and sitting in these all night prayers and what is the point of all of this? Because it seems to me that after all this time, if this was really about something, we'd be on TBN or we'd be on some Christian network and we'd have thousands of people coming to this by now. But I want you to know that uh, everybody can't cut, they can't cut it for what God calls certain ministries to. Do you know that, in fact, we found this out from one of our dear sisters in the Lord that was part of this ministry for many years. She's been in, working for military for a long time, and she says there are people who quit during military training. Many, many quit because the training, the preparation is so hard. You ain't even got to the war yet. You ain't got to battle yet. You can quit just in the preparation. And how many of you found out that this is a pretty tough place for basic training? <laughs> and we're here to encourage you tonight to don't quit. Yes. It looks like it's nothing, sometimes it looks like nothing is really working. How many of you have gotten some backlash after you made a real commitment? Yes. Oh yeah, those are the really the tough ones. When, when you get that kickback, when you really commit to God and then the enemy really comes after you. But that's why we sung that song just to get started. Lord, you are worthy. You're worthy. Worthy just simply means he is worth it. 
that childlike faith that says, God, you said it. I embrace it and I'm gonna do it because you said so. I don't have all the answers. I don't know what all of this is going to lead to. You told me to write you a blank check and I didn't know what it was gonna cost, but I can say today that it's still worth it. Come on, tell him right now, it's worth it. Bless the Lord our God. So here's a little bit about what's happening with us. There's our little family. <laughs> Christopher, Johnny, and David. How many remember are those three little boys used to be running around here? they grown men now. Our, and in order, that's David, his, his wife, Michelle, our newest daughter-in-law, Antoinette, Christopher, remember little Christopher? Yeah, grown man. Christopher's 29 years old, y'all. Uh-huh. <laughs> Next to him is our middle son, Jonathan, and then there's Carol and myself. Uh, David, uh, on the far left, uh, he and Michelle got married a couple of years ago. They're now living in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, which is her home. Uh, and Christopher and, and Antoinette are living in Tulsa, Oklahoma and uh, making preparations to move to Texas themselves. Yeah. Yeah. San Antonio. San Antonio. And so, and Jonathan is in his final, literally his final month of school. Uh, uh, he's getting a degree in media arts and animation, which is amazing to us. <laughs> and he's on the honor roll. And he's made the honor he's roll on in his final year, and we're just so proud of Johnny. <laughs> And every time somebody asks him if he's going to get married next, he says, just, I just want to get out of school. <laughs> I'm just, just, let me get out of school and get a job. <laughs> then we'll talk about all that other stuff. Uh, this next picture is uh, uh, my, when, our, um, when my job came to an end um, this year. I've been working for the Department of Education for the state of Pennsylvania in the press office. Um, and the way that that works, same way as it is in Missouri and any other state, the governor appoints people to, to his cabinet. And so a cab there's a person over education, same way here in Missouri, Department of Welfare, Department of Health, each one of them has a leader. And I was assigned to work with the head of the Department of Education for the state of Pennsylvania as a communication specialist. And you guys won't believe this. When I got the call for the job, they wanted to know, they were looking for somebody who knew how to do PowerPoints and video editing and everything that some of y'all see, y'all shaking your head, everything I've been doing for 17 years here in Metro Christian Worship Center. Why am I sharing this with you? Because some of you, you may have felt like, what's the point of all of this? What's the point of all of this? God literally trained me for a high level position in Metro, through Metro Christian Worship Center. God prepared me to work with a cabinet appointee from, the, from Pennsylvania's governor to work directly with him. So I want you to understand you are not wasting your time here. You are not wasting your time here. And so when this job finally it came to an end this year and, uh, and God had previously set it up for me and my wife to begin working with another ministry that found out about my skills in website and internet and video and all that stuff. They had a prayer gathering in the, in the region in one of the big uh, 
huge arenas where they play hockey and all that kind of stuff, sort of like the Kill Center here, but in that area, it's called the Giant Center. And uh, this ministry uh, brought me on board to handle their website uh, for this prayer gathering. And um, the woman who heads this entire thing, she meets with state senators, state representatives, uh, high-level people across the country and even around the world. Uh, I mean heads of states. She goes into uh, Muslim nations to meet with heads of states. And so, of course, me and my wife are like, how did this happen? That we are getting connected with people like this. And so she pulled us into this weekly meeting with, the, with one of the state senators. And the picture is me at the top. Somebody took a picture of me praying for the state senator. And again, how did this happen? I'm not boasting about us, but I'm telling you, you're connected with this. You don't know where God's going to take you. My wife beat me up all through Pastor Frank's message as he talked about being positioned for transition. There we were moaning and groaning, Lord, our church ain't growing, the ministry ain't going, nobody hardly knows anything about me and what's going on. And here God goes, you, you too. You got the smallest church in the city, but I can choose you to go and pray with the state senator. I'm not boasting about us, I'm talking about, you think about all the preparation that you're going through right now. The preparation that we had in this house prepared me and Carol to sit down with a state senator and not with an agenda. Not try to get him to set us up with some financing and some grants to help our ministry. They're used to that. They're used They're to people coming, coming to them with their hands, hands open. Out. Yeah. What do you want? What do you want? We just want to pray for you. Tell us, what do you, what, what's going on behind the scenes that we can begin to pray about in this state? How can we pray for you? I, woo. So I'm telling you, God is positioning you. When Pastor Frank was giving that word, I want you to understand right now, God is positioning you. He's getting you ready. This is a little bit about our ministry that God has given us, and pretty much it has been at the most, 12 people at a time. Folks come in, my wife and I would just talk like we're doing now. Most of the time, you've seen, those of you who have seen us online, we're sitting down. This is unusual, we're not usually standing. We're usually sitting, talking. One, one period of time, we were just meeting in a cafeteria and we'd start off with breakfast every Sunday morning. And then we'd just talk and have conversation. Answer questions. Answer questions, yep, and just connect with people because that's what they needed. God sent us to a region where they didn't need any more sermons by lip. Let me say it again. God sent us to a region where they didn't need any more sermons by lips. They needed sermons by lives. We found a very interesting thing that's been quoted by many people through the years, and we, this was one of those regions where it's absolutely true. People don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. Come on, bless the Lord. So, um, there you go. And some of the things that the Lord has blessed us with to be able to do is to minister to marriages. 
even folks that are about to get married. We had this one couple, the young couple, they was living together. Uh, oh yeah, they was living together. And they'll tell you right up front. That's one thing I love about the world. Well, me and my boyfriend, we say, me and my girlfriend, we thinking about getting married and we've been together about two years now. And so now you, you know the language now that you say, we've been, to, been together, it means that we've been in the same house living together the last few years. And so we want to get serious because we're planning on having a family and all that. So we're trying to get serious. And then they said, so how much you guys charge to give us a premarital counseling? That, that shocked me because I'm like, I'm used to church world. Don't nobody come and ask you, how much do you charge? <laughs> <laughs> but through the years, God let and they actually paid us. And, uh, and you said, Pastor Chris, you took the money? Yes, we took the money. Not because it was money, but uh, we learned something. People will value something that they have to invest in. Yes. Yes. If you do it for free all the time, they don't understand how valuable this is. Not just to us, but how much it's going to mean to them. So we found out that we had something. And Carol was like, whoa, <laughs> we got something here. I'm able to minister to people through marriage and the folks in the world, they're willing to just do, do whatever it takes for their life. And one of the most amazing things that Lord gave us to do through the years was how to stay in contact with people throughout the week. Because people today, church today, is going to be extremely different from how it's always been. We found it absolutely necessary to use today's technology to stay connected with people. The majority of the people, again, in the region that we, that we have been ministering in work second shift, third shift, weekends. Very, very few people are eight to five Monday through Friday. How many of you have found that out? Very, very few people today across America are eight to five weekends off. Most of the people that we are trying to reach, especially in the 20 and 30 and maybe some of y'all that hit your 40s, they're doing second shift. They're working third shift. They got to work every other Sunday or they get one Sunday a month off. That's the reality. So the church has to change if we want to reach them if you want to get to them. So what we did was establish just a weekly online uh, webcast to get to those folks and have it available for those that not won't come to church, can't. Some of you looking with me, looking at me, we're real shocked. No, I mean, can not, can not because of their schedule and their lives. So part of the new wineskin that many across America and the church are struggling with is this reality that we're gonna to have to change some schedules and change some ways in which we reach people. For many, it was their only lifeline. In fact, we started calling it that, the urban lifeline. It wasn't gonna always be this way for them, but in this season, while this is the kind of job they got right now, while this is the kind of school schedule they got right now, they just needed a lifeline. Another lifeline we gave them was just a weekly email. Comes to them every single Wednesday. Some of y'all are on that email list. One of my email list people, some of y'all on <laughs> You get it every single Wednesday. And they can count on it, and it's a word of encouragement. 
in the middle of the week? Why was that necessary? So that when we got back around to sitting down for breakfast on Sunday, we didn't have to start all over again because we had stayed connected through the week. That was just the kind of ministry he gave us. We spent lots of time talking to people. We'd invite them to our house. A lot of times, our, even our Sunday mornings yeah. turned into what we call therapy sessions. People began to just pour out what they had been through in their lives. Um, just to let us know what even brought them to uh, urban life. Yeah. And, and it literally turned into therapy sessions. We would begin to talk and to share um, um, and just share with them the word of God and to pray for them, to pour in the oil, yes. you know, um, just to, let, to remind them that God loves them and that he was there even through the different situations, the different circumstances that they encountered. God was right there. there. Sometimes me, people that we are under authority to make bad decisions make bad choices and they impact our lives. But God was there. God is still faithful. He make, he's made a way of escape for us. He's made a way for us to be healed. Yes. He's made a way for us to be delivered. Um, and so we began to share that with those who came. And, and at the same time back here in St. Louis, my parents' house burned down. Chris Jackson passed away. Fred Bass passed away. Lost a godly son, Robert Parrish. Wanting desperately to come back home, be with family, the people that you know. Still got 10, 12 people. God, what are we out here for? I want to go home. Y'all feel me tonight? Yeah. I want to go home. Those are my people. That's my family. What are we out here for? I ain't got no ego to stroke. Holy Spirit has stepped all up into something right now. How many of you said, God, I don't have to do this? We really don't have to do this. I ain't trying to make no name. I don't need the accolades. I know that there's preachers that are out here that really this is part of their self-esteem, but not us. God, we got a church back in St. Louis, the people that love us. <laughs> so why are we here? in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. What is the point? Let's just say this together. I want you to pray this prayer with us. Lord, Lord I, pray I pray that the word today would find good soil in my heart. I reject the thoughts of offense where the light of your word exposes my sin, I do not take offense. I will change and turn to you, my heavenly Father. I reject condemnation 
Your word says that Jesus did not come to condemn people. This word does not come to condemn me, but it comes to heal me. I reject accusation. Satan is the accuser of brothers and sisters. And this word does not come to accuse me or abuse me. This word exposes Satan and his lies. And I choose to believe and receive the truth. God says in this word, blessed are my eyes for they see and my ears for they hear. For many prophets and righteous men desire to see what I see and did not see it and to hear what I hear and did not hear it. Therefore, I will hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against or miss the will of God. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your word today. Amen. Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in us and through us. Your righteous rule and reign, your righteousness, your peace, your joy. Lord, we thank you for your righteousness, that we stand in your righteousness. We thank you for peace yes, that Lord. passes all understanding. We thank you for your joy, which is our strength. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you have not given us a spirit of fear, yes. but a power through the Holy Spirit and of love. We thank you, Father, that you love us yes, and a sound mind. Lord, we thank you for helping us to be able to make sound judgments, good decisions, Lord, healthy decisions that are based upon your word and to be able to live and walk them out. So, Lord, we thank you and we look forward to what you're going to do in us and through us tonight. We say yes to you, Lord. Yes, we surrender. Lord. Yes, Lord. We open our hearts to you. We will surrender our hearts to you. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, dear. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I left my glasses. and give me my... So I can see. God has blessed us to, through these past 11 years, and I wanted to do something because I'm going to miss your wedding, kid. Uh, we have this marriage kit where it's me and my wife. We took about three hours of sharing with couples and put it on video, and we've written a book called We Made a Pact, and we want to give the first of our marriage kit to you and your future bride. this young man and his wife. I'm already calling her his wife. There's some more of those stories that we don't have time to go into tonight. I love his father, love his mom, very much a part of these stones. If we only had the time to tell you the meaning of these stones. and especially 2015 through 2012, where God is taking us. God has positioned you, people of God. He's prepared you and positioned you for this very day. 
I'm not going to have a lot of scripture to share with you because I really there's a testimony that I want to say to you, that I want to deliver to you to encourage you in what God has planned for this house. Through the years, God has used my wife and I to be a prophetic model. It's not an easy place to stand, and it's not a place to boast in, but it's just a reality. Back in the earliest days of this ministry, my brother, pastor, overseer, asked me to stand before the congregation and to lead in the offertory worship every Sunday. And at the time that he asked me, my wife and I were driving the worst car of everybody there. We affectionately call it the Flintstone Mobile because the floorboard was rusted out in the bottom. We could see the street through our floorboard as we were driving. Why would God have a man stand up and lead the people of God in offering, bring returning the tithes and offerings into the house of the Lord at a season in time when they ain't got nothing themselves? And it's because he was already laying the foundation of the prophetic model that he intended for us to be. I don't have time to tell you all of the wonderful, incredible things that God did for us, but I can tell you this much. When we were sent out, when we were sent out, we were able to go debt-free, debt-free, sell the house here and live off of the profits of selling the house here. Yeah. So how is he now still using us as a prophetic model? He said, you got your own ministry. You're off in Pennsylvania somewhere. No, I want you to understand, uh, Pennsylvania was and still is a planting of a ministry from out of this house that was out of the heart of God that he had placed in this man's heart many, many years ago. We are simply walking in obedience. He's still our overseer. For us, it's no different than when my wife and I were overseeing the youth and the young adults and the media and the administration and the resource center, and I can just go on and on and on and on with all the different things that we did here. And we just simply received another assignment in another locale, but still, as far as we're concerned, we're still just walking in the Urban World Harvest Initiative. All those words that you've heard many times before, the Urban World Harvest. This is a photo from an award ceremony um, from just about a month ago. This is a United States, a United Nations ambassador that you see uh, uh, talking to me. And Carol and I are seated on the next uh, picture at the, at the center table of this ceremony. This uh, ambassador travels around the United States and really around the world. Um, and he acknowledges the work of key people in a particular region. And he hands out and gives these awards. Uh, he, and he also confers with this award international ambassador of world peace status upon that individual so that their work can be acknowledged and sent out and received anywhere in the world. 
He is an actual, yeah, a actual genuine United Nations ambassador. He represents a particular African country. And he is, an, he is the uh, ambassador at large with the United Nations. So you say, well, how in the world did you meet him? I'm glad you asked that question. He was our speaker at that prayer conference I mentioned earlier from 2014. 2015, we decided to just bring him back and have a closed meeting with just leaders in the community because we're tired of just the same old conference where everybody comes and feels good and a bunch of speakers and we all leave and we really don't do anything. And I can tell you all across the country, more and more of us have gotten tired of that and we're ready to actually do something. So we brought somebody who is actually doing something because he is an ambassador of a nation in which the president of that nation is a spirit-filled, born-again leader. And he has turned their nation around. In fact, that president would not take the job when it was offered to him. His nation actually asked this guy, would you be the uh, president of our nation? He said, only if, only if the Bible, the Bible, the word of God, can be the one book by which I govern this nation. So this man is the ambassador. So this year when we were bringing him in, I get a call on a Thursday night. He's supposed to speak on a Saturday. He's supposed to arrive in town on Thursday, uh, be able to chill and relax on Friday, and then he's going to talk to us in an all-day session on Saturday. I get a call on Thursday night saying the ambassador's flight his second leg of his flight is canceled. He has to stay overnight in Charlotte, North Carolina. He can't get here until tomorrow morning, Friday morning. And so I just called you because the brother said, I can't make it. I got to be at work. And everybody else has got to be at work tomorrow. And so I just thought I'd call you and see if you could go pick him up. I said, yeah, sure, I'll go pick him up. And he said, well, by the way, he's flying into Baltimore. Now, just so you get the picture, Baltimore is an hour and a half away from Harrisburg. So I just agreed at 10 o'clock at night that I'm going to get up and drive to Baltimore to pick up the ambassador. And that's one of those ones where you begin to ask yourself, what did I get myself into? And then the Holy Spirit repeats it back to you and says, you're going to Baltimore and pick up a United Nations ambassador. You are about to have an hour and a half trip from Baltimore to Harrisburg and be able to spend an hour and a half talking to a United Nations ambassador. Just before that, my wife and I had been praying. God has really had us in some serious prayer, and we've been praying, Lord, how can we break past the barrier? We can't seem to be able to get to the people we're trying to get to because Harrisburg, like many cities, is so steeped in religion and you guys can already see our style is so non-traditional and so unreligious that they look at us like we're crazy. <laughs> and the only people that come to us are the people who are often in the mist. I was going to have my wife read it, but one time I, 
Uh, I sent this particular email to our church family. You read it, babe. You'll be better than me at it. What an incredible week we had. An earthquake and a hurricane within five days. We are in a very serious hour in this nation. It's certainly causing us to pursue the Lord with more intensity. We found ourselves awake at 3 a.m. Tuesday morning, so we allowed our own advice, we followed our own advice, and prayed. Sometimes I like to go downstairs to our living room, but most times I go into our bedroom closet. It's a walk-in closet, so it's perfect for seclusion. The first thing the Lord said to me after I laid on the floor before him was, I did not call you to the masses. I called you to the misses. I called you to reach the ones that were missed. They have fallen through the cracks and slipped through the nets. While many ministries focus on the masses, I called you to reach those who were missed. And there are thousands who have been missed. So there we were praying and asking the Lord, okay, God, how are we going to reach those misses? How do we reach the people that slip through the cracks? Because when they hear the word church, pastor, minister, reverend, the doors close. We've been there for 11 years. We tried to do things like we were like it's done here in St. Louis, and I want you to understand, when you actually go to, when you go to another region, it's a completely different culture. Pennsylvania was founded by the Dutch and the German, and that's the culture there. St. Louis was founded by the French, and there's lots of Italian influence. Those two cultures are like night and day from what we went into when we got to Pennsylvania. I'm used to St. Louis, where if somebody got something against you, they're going to tell you, hey, right up. What's up? See, this is St. Louis, where you can get shot in your face. And we go to a culture where everything, everything is undercover, covert, behind your back. Everything. Education, politics, church, school, everywhere, everybody. Hello, how you doing? What's up? In, in. So I wasn't accustomed to that. I'm ready for folks to be straight up. They don't do straight up. So when we first got there, I'm being all St. Louis. I'm standing up preaching like I'm talking to you now. I didn't know I was offending people left and right. I had a brother pastor invited me to come and speak when we first got there, 3,000 member church. Pastor Chris didn't know no better. I was preaching like I was at Metro. I came down out the pulpit, walked down the steps, got into the aisles and was prophesying about the things of God that he's going to bring to this region. Those people were sitting there looking at me like. <laughs> Different culture. So God had to give us training on how to reach a whole completely different kind of people. 
Because sometimes we, be, we even make value judgments. We feel like uh, on, on ministry styles, we feel like if somebody's not right out front and in your face, then they're not preaching the gospel. But you could be right out front and in your face and you are offending them. They don't hear what you're saying because this is offensive culturally. So God had to teach us how to minister and talk to people in that region. So that's why we had to meet in a cafeteria, sit down, talk, answer questions. So we had to wait for them to ask the questions to tell them what we wanted them to know. Because often, we want to tell people what we want them to know, because we know they need it. But we had to learn a whole new style of waiting until they ask. How many of you found that out? Sometimes you just got to wait until they ask. So what did this have to do with the ambassador? I'm expressing all of this frustration to him that we've been here for 11 years and we can't never get more than 12 people. But when the people do come, their lives get changed because we take the time with them. And he says, I'm not impressed by numbers. I travel all over the world. I've seen big ministries and they have no discipleship ability. They know how to gather people, but they do not know how to disciple them. He said, brother, the only thing that matters is did the people that come and sit in your meetings, did their lives change? It's not the number of people. Right now, we are in the business in America of making, of numbers games, trying to get big crowds. I am so sick of watching Christian television, where even where the teaching is really good, like I've seen lately, they're talking about the Shemitah, and talking about the year of Jubilee that's coming up, and the year of release, and we've been so conditioned in America that we don't understand the year of Shemitah, and the, which is the seventh year. Every seven years, you're supposed to uh, you know, debt cancel, so we get focused on, all oh, the debts are going to be canceled. No, it's about you canceling somebody else's debt not about just yours being canceled. Shemitah is about you forgiving others, releasing others. But see, we're Americans. We always start thinking about what's coming to me. But Shemitah is about you releasing somebody else. It's about you canceling somebody else. It's about you opening up your heart and your life for someone else. So I'm sick of these Shemitah teachings and the Jubilee teachings always ending up with and send us $400, send us $500. So it's conditioned us in the house of God that even when we have a genuine moment with God, a genuine moment in his presence, we're still sitting there waiting for the punchline. This past Sunday to me was a perfect example as God began to use Bishop and calling people forth and admonishing them in the spirit of God heavy in the place, but people still sitting there waiting for, well, what does he really want? What does he really want? No, no, what we really want is for you to get saved. We want you to let, let God hear, but in our heads is all this other stuff. So this brother's telling me, I'm not impressed with all of that. So he said, here's how I see you and your wife and your ministry. He said, you guys are urban family advocates. 
You are marriage and family consultants. That's what God's been using you to do the past 11 years. He said, you are, and he wasn't talking about Oprah's version. He said, you are urban marriage and family life coaches. I said, well, how do we break past the barrier? He said, rebrand. Stop calling yourself just pastor, just apostle, just apostle, just missionary, just evangelist. He said, no, you're a life coach. We struggle with those kinds of phrases. Ain't that being worldly? No, we're being wise because they don't know what pastor means. Right now, pastor means the man who's trying to get in my pocket. Apostle means the man who's trying to make me send an offering. Evangelist means the one who's going to hit on me after church and invite me to the hotel room. So we came, I'll continue, let me deviate to another part. So we even shared that little bit with one of the women in our church. Say, yeah, that's right. Uh, we're we're going to rebrand the ministry. She said, great, Pastor, because if we use that terminology that you are life coaches, she said, I can get you and Pastor Carol into the Welfare to Works program immediately. The biggest problem, she said, that we have with the young ladies is being able to, for them to stay on the jobs. But if we can get somebody to come in there and encourage them, teach them some skills, the soft skills they call them. A lot of them are excellent with the computer skills or the job, but it's the soft skills. It's how to handle conflict, how to self-esteem if somebody comes at you a certain way on the job and you don't quit. If we could just get some people that could come in and encourage these girls, and we're like, thank you, Lord. We've been waiting all this time to get in there. And all it took was just this little, oh, okay, this recognition. God sends this man to say, you are urban family advocates. You are life coaches. What am I getting at? He called me a couple of days after the conference and said, I want to invite you and your wife to Washington, D.C. We're going to have another one of these award ceremonies at the nation's capital. And I want to give you and your wife and acknowledge the work you've been doing in Harrisburg and give you one of these awards and grant you World Peace Ambassador status.
11 years, God was the point. It ain't but 10 people, 12 people. Let me tell you the rest of it. Just before this conference, we dropped down to three. With three people left, God sends a United Nations ambassador to say, you've been doing a good job. The numbers don't mean anything. It's all about the faithfulness. Bless you, Lord God. Why am I sharing this with you tonight? Because you had no idea what God is preparing you for. My heart goes out to the days when we were crawling on the floors in this room and downstairs, fasting and praying and crying out to God with no idea that when he said the world, he meant the world. He's positioned you, Metro. Yes, it's been 28 years, and it's been a hard 28 years. And that's because the position that he has for this church, for this ministry, for your family, for your home, the stuff that you have been through has prepared you for the place he's taking you. You better believe there ain't no, we ain't got nothing to be arrogant about. When God takes you from three people. <laughs> yes, it's a wonderful status, but you ain't gonna never forget didn't but three people at one time wanna hear what you had to say. What was God preparing us for? Faithfulness, that no matter what, because the issue is, uh, uh, where, do we, where did I learn that from? I learned that from watching these two. Knights of Columbus building. Forest Park Hotel. The Learning Center. Coming in this building. Never stop once. Keep fasting. Keep praying. Keep believing God. Boiler breaks down. Did again this past year. <laughs> what did they do? Kept right on going. Where we learned that from? You've been watching. You just, you keep going. You don't do this because you one day expecting to have a thousand members, 30,000 members. No, it's about, I just want to be faithful. I want to be able to stand before God and have him say, you did what I told you to do. I remember doing one part of this season because we had, me and my wife, we've written all these books because these emails that we were sending out to people, actually some of y'all remember Sister Deveda Davis, you guys remember Sister Deveda, she sent us an email and she said, why don't you take those weekly emails and put them in book form so that it's encouraging words that people can Go and read in a book like a devotional. 
And we was like, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> so we did that, but at the same time, it's like, ain't nobody getting our books. Don't nobody want our books. <laughs> but here is God. At a, at a time and season when we least expect it, I wanted to end with this because this is what God is looking for you, Metro. He wants you to be intercessional. That's prayerful. He wants you to be intentional. That's purposeful. Yes, Lord. He wants you to be invitational. Let people in your life. Invite them, engage them. We shared with the leaders last night that my wife and I had a three-hour dinner with a lesbian couple. They invited us. They invited me and my wife to dinner with them. Not as Pastor Chris and Pastor Carol, but just the couple that they had seen every day at work. The past few years, my wife and I both worked in the same building. She was on 16th floor, I worked on the 10th floor. And so every day they saw us coming to work together. Every day they saw us eating lunch together. We found out that that preached all by itself. Then they would find out how long we've been married and then it was like, whoa, <laughs> 30 years. Our next anniversary will be 35 years. Yes, Lord. Everybody's like, oh man, how did that conversation go? First thing we did was pray. When we sat down with them, we asked, so how did you come to choose this lifestyle? Each one of them told their story. That's why it was three hours. Both of them, abusive fathers, abusive husbands, just looking for somebody to love me. Well, how do you feel about us being gay? What does the Bible say? I say, well, you know, the Bible says that it's wrong. But I said, but the Bible has much more to say about how we're supposed to treat you. They were gas. By the time we got to the end of that conversation, one of them asked my wife to pray for her because of a physical ailment. She wouldn't disclose what it was. But she said out of her own mouth, my biggest fear, this is not us saying this, she did. My biggest fear is that I know what the Bible says and I'm scared of going to hell. We didn't say it. What was she looking for? What were they looking for from us? Love. See, some of you think that if you preach the love message that that's gonna give people an excuse to stay in their sin. No, she, she recognized it. Why, why am I saying this? Because where the, the Lord, the prophet said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And when he came into the presence of the Lord, what happened to him? He became aware 
he became aware of his sin. We don't have to hit him with, you don't have to hit him with the Bible. Come to them in the presence of the Lord, in the love of God. I know some of you that you really struggle with that because you feel like if I, if I just talk about the love, they, that's gonna give them an excuse. No, it doesn't because if the presence of God is within you, they're gonna have the Isaiah experience be invitational. Be interventional. Intervene. That's what I meant by ask, listen. You're going to find out a lot when you start asking questions. Next time you get back to work, when you ask people how they're doing, mean it. Mean it. When you hear about stuff going on with people at work, intervene. I heard a coworker on the phone talking about a gentleman who was uh, in the hospital and just kind of caught glimpses, bits and pieces of what she was saying. Holy Spirit says, go back there and ask. Y'all know how that is, the Holy Spirit gets you at work. You're like, no, God, not now. <laughs> so I went back there. Sorry to eavesdrop, but I heard you talking about a friend in the hospital. Yeah, I, I got a, it's actually the friend of a friend. His name is Chuck. Um, he's got cancer. He's unconscious. They've given him four days on the, uh, on the what's the ventilator. Uh, and if he doesn't recover consciousness in four days, they're just going to pull the plug. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit says, now I know you're not going to just let Chuck die. So I ask, and this is after the, at the end of a long day of work, can me and my wife, if, you know, can you see if they will let me and my wife come and pray, come to the hospital and pray? Talk about intervention. This isn't as Pastor Chris, Pastor Carol, leaders of Urban Life Family Center. This is just a co-worker overheard a conversation. Somebody's dying. You ain't gonna just let that happen. You don't know where this man is, where his soul is. I know you're not just gonna let that happen. So after a long day of work, I talked, called Carol, said, well, you know, someone's in the hospital, we'll pray. And so y'all know you don't feel like doing all that after work. But somebody's soul was on the line. So we went to the hospital to go see Chuck. When I got in to see him, I, oh man. One of my, the coworker wanted to go into the room with me. I go, oh. Uh, it's one thing to go in and pray by yourself. Uh, why you want to go in with me? Because y'all know, y'all know how we pray. Uh, I don't want my coworker to hear me. <laughs> we get in there, the man is unconscious. The Lord just says, sing over him. So I sung, I worship you. Almighty God. Yes, yes. Then the words became real like no other time before. There is none like you. 
after singing, I just, I, I just had my hand out over and said, Lord, I don't even know if Chuck knows you. But I ask you to give him one more chance. Just give him one more chance. Left the hospital. Co-worker speechless, she never heard me sing before, much less pray. <laughs> Next day at work, co-worker runs over and tells me, Chris, Chris, Chuck is awake. Amen. Not only is he awake, but he's out the bed and he's sitting in a chair eating. Come on, bless the Lord. Telling you guys, where God's taking Metro, it's going to be a people that are intercessional, yeah. intentional. Don't you give up? A, don't you get up another day without purpose? Invitational, engage people, invite them into your journey. No, your journey ain't perfect, but you invite them in there anyway. Invite them in your story. One of the best things that ever happened for me and Carol's marriage was when Bishop put us over the marriage ministry. Why? Because if you're going to tell everybody else what to do, <laughs> can't tell you how many times we did those lessons and we look at each other and be like, oh, we better go home and work on this ourselves. <laughs> Some of y'all said, Pastor Chris, Pastor Carol, y'all have such a wonderful marriage. I'm like, yeah, because Bishop put us over marriage class and we had to set an example for the house because we was telling y'all what to do. That's part of the reason why many people don't like to be invitational. You don't want nobody else in your journey. You don't want them because you don't want the responsibility. But for where God is positioning us and where he's taking us, you must be invitational. We must be interventional. We must be, it's a word I made up, inventional. What does that mean? That means to be able to respond, inventive. Not that we're making it up, but be open for God to do something that he ain't never done before in a way he's never done it before in your life. Be willing to be inventive. Don't sit back on, oh, well, it never worked before. Don't sit back even on, I don't know what to do. If you don't know what to do, ask, ask, ask. God, we don't know what to say to this couple lesbian couple and ask us to dinner. What do we say? What do we do? He didn't even tell us ahead of time, just go to dinner. I'll tell you what to say in the moment. And in the moment, he says, ask them how they came to this place in their journey. Don't be afraid of the challenge, y'all. And the last one, be international. By that, I only mean, I don't only just mean various nations, but be willing to relate to folks beyond just what's familiar to you. Especially in this hour in St. Louis. I can't stand them county folks. I can't stand them. You know how they are on the south side. My wife and I lived in Canfield Green Apartments 
30 years ago, when the images of Michael Brown first came on the air, and this had been following, as we all know, a series of horrible things that had happened um, across the country, I turned to my wife and I said, that ain't going to work in St. Louis. I said, they're going to riot. And we got to church the next day, because remember, this happened on a Saturday. We got to church Sunday, and we told everybody, like, I know St. Louis. They're they not going to take this lying down. You know, in other parts of the country, they may just protest. And, and I know there were some instigators in the crowd, but I'm telling you, I still know St. Louis. What am I getting at? Part of what has kept St. Louis so locked up is because we stick with what we know and only with what we know and who we know. And the healing that must come to St. Louis means the church, because the world can't do this, y'all. They cannot. We gotta go beyond the familiar. We're the ones who gotta stop saying, you know the police are. You know those white people are. We gotta stop. I don't expect the world, I don't expect folks that don't know God in this region to cross these barriers. It's us. We must be international. So when you get to work and folks are looking at you funny, and I often say, Pastor Chris, you forgot what St. Louis is like? Oh no. When I first moved here to, uh, from, uh, got it from after school in Tulsa, and I was working at a particular company, and they were supposed to transfer me uh, to St. Louis so that I could keep my job. This is early in our marriage. I'll be able to keep my job. They're just going to transfer me to St. Louis. And so I got here with my new bride, and all I've got to do is uh, go to the headquarters. And they'll just a, find a, a particular outlet and region for me to work. Some of y'all already laughing. You know where this story is going. And so I walked into the headquarters, and it was in South County. South County in the 80s. <laughs> and I walked into the, uh, the headquarter office and, the, and the, greeted the woman. I said, my name is Chris Green. I'm the one who's transferring here from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And she looked at me and said, oh, you're Chris Green? I knew right then. She went in the back, came back out and said, the district manager says we don't have any openings. So I understand St. Louis. But God still calls us to break past the familiar. And what I mean by familiar, even the familiar hurt. The familiar hurt the familiar racism to go past it. Why? Because we're here for a greater purpose. Lord, we just thank you for the assignment you have given us as a church, as a family. We thank you, Lord God. We see it tonight. I thank you for the testimony that you have given me and Carol and our sons but Lord, it is just merely the sprouting. Guys, hear me, this is just the mere sprouting. 
of great things that God has in store for this body of believers. For God has very intentionally kept us in obscurity. He has very intentionally kept you under the radar. It was for your protection. It was for your preservation. For there have been many waves of attacks that have come through the enemy against leaders and ministries across this nation, but God protected you. You said we protected us with all the stuff we've been through. God protected you. Would you right now in this moment say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord, forgive me for where I've been complaining because it seems like this job is dead end. My career is dead end. Coming to this church is dead end. Forgive me, Lord God, for grumbling and complaining and not seeing the bigger picture that you have given us the great commission to go into all the world. Come on, international people. Go into all the world and make disciples. Yes, Lord God. And Lord, now I see my world is right around me. Husbands, yeah, husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. That's your world. Start right there. Children, obey your parents. Parents, please raise your children in the admonition of the Lord. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. Why am I saying all of this? Because the world, the world that God is sending us into, these are the, big, these are the biggest issues that they are struggling with. And they've got to learn from us we're the light, we're the salt. The Lord reminded me, and even though I didn't finish my education there, he reminded me of the words of Oral Roberts. I don't know how, how many of you even remember him, that God had called him to raise up his students and send us to the places where his voice is heard small and his light is dim. And so most of us will not be in the spotlight, but it doesn't matter. There's a chuck that God is positioning you to give him one more chance. There's some gay couple who the only reason they got together was because they thought there was no other way. And God has positioned you. And guess what, Metro? The empty seats that are here must be filled with those who are on the highways and the byways. They're the ones who are being missed right now. But God has called us to reach those misses. We can't just sit here and wait for them to somehow uh, just pop up in these seats. No, we got to go get them. And where do we get them? At work in our home homes, with our own families, our relatives, our friends. 
You mean to tell me, Pastor, if a gay couple invites me to come to dinner with them, I'm so yes. Oh, you're just going to say it like that, huh? Yes. Go, but what if some of the other saints who know about this couple's reputation sees me with them? Then you can just join the Jesus crowd. That, that, was, that was the reputation of Jesus, who he hung out with. Why? Because I'm there and I'm on a mission. God's called us, Metro. He's called us. He's positioned us. Are you ready? Come on right now, say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your people and your hand upon us. We see it now, God, and we're running after it. With all of our might, we're chasing after you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. Bless the Come on, give the Lord a praise in this place.